0: Hi, I'm Meredith, and I'm reading from my book, In Want and Plenty. I'm flooded with story upon story of women, students, and families who have walked into my counseling office and feel like they have had enough and they are not enough. They want more from life, but don't know where to find it. They've tried everything, followed the formulas, yet most things are not painting out the way they planned, and they are left wanting more. As a counselor, I am well acquainted with the narratives of a wide variety of people. I have seen firsthand the healing power of narrative therapy in my practice over the past 15 years. Taking the time to look back, name where we are currently, and look ahead not only helps us reclaim our identity and true self, but also provides us space to shift and move as life happens so we can ride the wave with it. We tell ourselves we want the best out of life and for those we love. We attend school for years and seek jobs that provide money to pay the bills and get what we want. We travel, indulge in food, and shop until we drop. We collect and create. We meditate and exercise. We go to therapy and maybe even attend church. We read self-help books, blogs, and magazines to enhance every portion of our being. We are constantly consuming content that makes our minds spin and causes us to compare ourselves to others. We inevitably forget who we are and what we were made for. We tend to walk around with a false script in the back of our minds, whispering lies that if we can just work hard enough, life will go the way we want and we will be happy. Yet it doesn't take long for us to realize that life doesn't work that way. No matter how hard we try and no matter how much we attain, An ache remains. Life happens and we realize we are not in control.
1: Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle, and I am so happy to have this beautiful, remarkable young woman today, Meredith McDaniel, with us today on the podcast. You are going to be so blessed. Meredith is a licensed professional counselor and owner of her private practice, I love this name, Milk and Honey, a graduate of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. She has also served on staff with Young Life and as the lead counselor with Inheritance of Hope. Meredith says she feels called to sit and listen to the stories of women and men, helping them discover who they are and live out their lives more fully. She enjoys entering into the quieter place of people's lives in a safe setting to offer hope and help others taste of the land of milk and honey. She and her husband, Ben, have three young children and live in a small town near Charlotte, North Carolina. I am so happy to have you, Meredith, so, so happy. Thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule of all that you do, wife, mama of three children, virtually schooling. Oh my goodness, I tell you what a year it has been for sure. And I just think you're right on time for my listeners and for other listeners who are going to find us somewhere out there on the internet. I do want to just read, you have in the beginning of your book, In Want and Plenty, Waking Up to God's Provision in a Land of Provision. Oh, and by the way, not only is Meredith uh, a Ravel author, so we're Ravel sisters, and I'm so happy about that, but her first book. This first book is nominated for the Christian Book of the Year, and uh, that is quite an honor, Meredith. Congratulations. And I'm pulling for you, for Thank sure. You,
0: Danielle. Thanks for having me, too. It just feels oh. so good to sit with you. I think we're kindred
1: spirits, so it's really good to be here. I think so. I just <laughs> kind of want to have a cup of tea. And- <laughs>
0: yes, you're speaking your language. <laughs> yes.
1: So we'll just, we'll do that. But yeah, we want to lean into those who are listening as well. But in the beginning of your book, you quote Psalm 78, verses 24 and 25, and then verse 29 from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance, and they ate and were well filled. (sighs) There's like so many (laughs) declarations and intentions. Yeah, why Why that scripture? And then I'm going to ask you something else.
0: Yes. Well, I think I picked that one because, um, well, I actually, my grandparents love to watch birds. Um, they would just sit on their back porch. They had those, those um, sliding doors, you know, that were yes. really big that people walked into sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we would just sit there. They had this brown rocking chair that we now have in our barn. It's really special. Um, they had binoculars and they had their little bird book. My granddaddy even had like a little tablet with spiraled that he would just write down all the birds that he sees. And so I think I've got it in my genes and in my DNA, (laughs) just watch the birds. And so we live on a few acres here in North Carolina. And a lot of times I'll just find myself sitting at the table and looking out the window. Um, I love to kind of write early in the morning when I can, and I get to bed early enough and um, I'll just light a little candle and look out and see the birds. And I write in the very beginning of that chapter, how they just kind of flit around and they seem so lighthearted and, It's like they just know and they have this confidence that they're going to have enough for every single day. And I want to live more like that. And so I I think that's where I wanted to start.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Freedom. Yes. Not a care in the world. Yeah.
0: And they're not storing up in the Mm birds. You know, I get to that later in the book, but um, they just get enough that they need. Mm -hmm.
1: Daily provision. Yeah. Birds are real near and dear to my heart. It's probably why I resonated Mm -hmm. as well. I love that, that you've got the ornithology DNA (laughs) and now my oldest is becoming a bird woman. So it's so fun, (laughs) but yes, I've got a bird feeder right outside my window and in the back. And yes, I I just love, I love to see, see them because they are a a reminder of the daily provision of God. Unlike many, maybe, I don't know, I'm an author. So I do read the, the endorsements and the, everything, the acknowledgements, the back cover, the front, everything. And I loved uh, Suzanne Stabil, who is, if you're not familiar with Suzanne Stabile, she is an Enneagram expert. I love her so much. Call her the uh, godmother of the Enneagram. And I learned so much from her and her first book with Ian Morgan Cron, The Road Back to You. And in my new book by Ravel, (laughs) Stronger Every Day, I offer the Enneagram as a, a tool as well. So, Suzanne wrote about your book. In an effort to free us from the race we are all running, Meredith focuses part of her work on the biblical understanding of divinely supplied spiritual nourishment, what we as Christians call. Manna, I just mm, she just nailed that. <laughs> God's faithfulness is unexpected but consistent. And I've not read anyone, and I concur with her a thousand percent in a long time who explains that with such simple depth. So I asked you, i I would love for you, Meredith, to explain this concept, this idea, this principle to listeners because I've read about, manna and all of the story in Exodus and all that in a lot of the, of our elder theologians, mm-hmm. F.B. Meyer, just so many of the elders, Matthew Henry. Um, but I haven't read about it in the way that you have put it into words mm-hmm. so prophetically mm-hmm. and so clearly and succinctly for us to regain that understanding yeah. of what it means to, to daily see God's provision. So I just wonder what drew your attention to that and what led you to write this, your first book?
0: Sure. Well, <laughs> lot. I, yeah, I think the concept of manna for me, something that, that you probably don't know about me, but I love is just ancient roots and how they penetrate our modern day. Good. And I'm a part of a local church here in our town, um, actually just stepped into an elder role this year. And we have a lot of tweaking um, mission statement and branding and all that kind of stuff. And we're localizing. And so part of the thing that we really wanted to have intact is our, our ancient roots. That go all the way back, you know, in scripture, but then also like our modern day, like we come from a really incredible lineage of other churches in our town that have planted churches. Mm. And for me, when I think of the concept of manna, that's an ancient concept, right? It is. That is still mm-hmm. very much a apt- applicable, um, to our day-to-day here in the world. And it, I think this past year, COVID, we've seen that even more. We not, might not call it manna. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways to call it that, but God has continuously provided what we've needed in our darkest of days. And mm-hmm. we see that so clearly in the Exodus narrative, which for me is really just a smaller version of the gospel narrative. It mirrors right. it, it parallels it almost perfectly. And so we can see our little story, like our small S stories yes. um, in the lives of those in the Old Testament. And then we see it in the grander scheme of the kind of big S story of the gospel as Jesus enters into the scene. And there is so much foreshadowing um, from that. And so I think that's kind of the, the big you know picture answer to your question. And we mm-hmm. can go into it more in detail. But I just very much relate to the Israelites as they wandered mm-hmm. around and they grumbled
1: they sure did
0: so quickly and then they might get some hope and then they forgot again. And they just, you know, constantly asking these questions. Um, what's going on? Like, what is this God? And that's actually the translation of what manna means.
1: Oh, it tell us. Means. We love words. I love words right? between under around words. So yes. tell us.
0: So the definition of manna, it, it, it means what is it? And that's the question that they were asking back then. And we still ask that question today. When God provides certain things for us, and we just don't fully, we can't fully grasp it. We might not ever, on this side of heaven, why certain things are are provisioned for us, but indeed they are.
1: Oh, I just was in an intensive session this morning, mm-hmm. and I find this theme come through. The story of so many, especially those who have experienced childhood trauma. I work a lot with family systems and a lot with childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And I find it a lot that it is so hard because the the Israelites did not expect their provision to fall from heaven (laughs) in wafer form. And it didn't taste like the rich foods back in Egypt. And it didn't It didn't meet any of their expectations. And so I think so many times, and that's what in this session this morning, she was like, how can that be a provision? How is that an answered prayer? Like how? I don't understand. I asked for this and I got this. Right. And there's like a befuddling, right? There's just this confusion. And so many times God's provision, well, you say it, it's unexpected, yet it's certain. Yes. Right, it's in want and it's in plenty, but it oftentimes I've lived long enough to know sometimes it's perplexing. Yes, like that can't and, be his provision
0: and disorienting, and and you very disorienting. And Exodus, like they actually wanted to go back to Egypt, mm-hmm. which is where they were enslaved. It doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but we do that actually in our own lives a lot.
1: Tell us, talk yeah, to us. We think,
0: Things are more comfortable back there. I shouldn't have made this decision to go in this direction, and so it's it's just such a window I think into our mm-hmm. souls and the human struggle and where we get stuck in our stories. That's kind of where I really kind of latch onto the the blending of Exodus and narrative therapy because the mm-hmm. Israelites were paralyzed, you know, in this mm-hmm. space in this desert dark space, and man, I can get stuck there too
1: sometimes. Real stuck. Mm-hmm. Yes, very stuck. I wasn't going to hop here yet, but I'm going to hop into narrative therapy. That is a passion that uh, I found out you and I share. And uh, there through my master's program, I went back in my fifties and then through extended studies of trauma therapy and and things beyond narrative therapy really stuck like glue on me when I learned about it. it was my favorite class in my master's and post studies and uh, probably because I <laughs> am a writer and am an author. And so would you just, I've really never explained that here to sure. my listeners. I would just love for you to help us understand. I, I can read this. I'll, let me get to those notes I was going to hop onto later. In your book, you quote Dan Allender, who such a man on page 27. And he summarizes narrative therapy so powerfully, <laughs> So take seriously the story God has given you to live. Now I'm going to lean in because my folks know this is a lean in moment and I want you to pay attention. This is something Meredith is really going to speak to in your life. So take seriously the story God has given you to live. It's time to read your own life because your story is one that could set us all ablaze. And then Meredith, you add to Dan's thought. For the bulk of my life, I believed that to be in God's, air quotes, good graces, This got me. We were required as his people to be obedient and pretend we had it all together. It never crossed my mind. you right. It never crossed my mind that we are allowed, oh gosh, <laughs> to be sad in the longing, we are allowed to expose our pain. So that's why, tell us how narrative therapy, you just said how it links to Exodus, but how can it help us find hope? Yeah.
0: Well, and I love how you springboarded from that thought that I had about us being paralyzed and stuck because Mm -hmm. that's what narrative therapy does. Mm -hmm. It teaches us um, we don't have to stay there right? And so if it's trauma, if it's grief, loss, anxiety, depression, fill in the blank of, you know, anyone who's listening, whatever it is for you, if you feel stuck somewhere and paralyzed somewhere, like you can't move out of where you are, what narrative therapy does is it says we can actually look at how we're feeling currently, look back, you know, at our backstory, which is very important. And we don't want to do that. We want to forget about that. Can we just just move on. on?
1: Can we just move on?
0: But we can't, we can't, because it's deeply mm-hmm. impacting us today. And yeah. and that is what helps us move us, you know, into the future and to experience more full life here on earth, yes. which is, you know, my heartbeat. I know your heartbeat, Janelle. Um, and really, oh. everybody who's listening, we want more full life. And so we yeah. get to race story. That's a phrase that we're um, yes, yep. a narrative therapist, you know, refer to. And, um, I use a little framework in my book.
1: Yes. And this will be in the show notes guys, but it it also is in her book in, in far more depth. Obviously this is just a a short podcast episode, but I took these notes, I copied them and I will put the, her beautiful mm, chart or whatever, how you want to say it? Diagram of, of the passage you take us on. So go ahead.
0: Yeah. So it's, yeah, this is kind of just the journey and the framework that, um, I kind of put together in context of my book, but we've got different sections. Like the, the big concept is revisioning. So you've got that look back, um, where you're looking back at the past, the being still, which is hard for us, um, some harder for others which is the current. And um, then that scanning the horizon and sort of looking at the future and what's ahead. Mm -hmm. And then we can start that process of rewriting the story. And I also use just this idea of resound, which I I love this music therapy in there. Talk about it a lot. I love resound. I was like, look, that is so good. So at the end of every chapter, music has been literally like a lifeline for me. God has just really used it over the years. My dad used to be a DJ. I was telling somebody yesterday, I used to go up into our like bonus room in our house when I was probably my kid's age, like elementary. And I would spend three to four hours up there. He had this seven disc CD player. So I'd put in like this wide variety and I would just be singing and dancing. And um it was such a healing space for me.
1: It was a healing. And
0: that has persisted. And so I couldn't help but share some very specifically curated songs that really go with each chapter with some kind of local, but some, yeah, some big time artists in here um, that just really echoed the words of each chapter. So it helps soothe our whole body, you know, it calms down our nervous system. Mm. It's such, it's such a gift. All, all art forms I think are, but yes. especially kind of put some not word, well, maybe words, but just some sort of connection where we, where we might not have words.
1: Yeah, you really inspired me, Meredith, because I I danced my whole entire life. Oh, I love that. And so dance was my identity. And then I broke my back when I was 38. And I had a big dance studio and was training young boys and girls and young men and women in the Christian art of dance and liturgical dance and worship dance. And I just thought that I would be doing that the rest of my life. I really just had no idea that. And so it was a huge breaking point in my life, a a huge, um, and so people have always said to me, you know, why are you, I don't know any of that about you. You know, why are you not adding that? Why are you not writing about that? And I thought, I just wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know how, but you did it. You did resound, you know? And I just thought, I think I can do this. I can somehow, because just like you with music heals me for sure. And movement heals me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think in my episode, you can look back guys on uh, when I talked to Dr. Chuck DeGroat, love him. And we were talking about the contemplative practices of stillness, silence, and solitude. But then he had talked to Barbara. What's her last name? I'll figure it out. I'll get, I'll put it in the show notes. An African-American who was saying, you know, the contemplative practices are not just Eurocentric, Yes, that you can also be contemplative if you are moving. And I was yes. like, what? <laughs> no one has given me permission to just go wild and do my movement until I went to Kenya. Uh-huh. And I spent time with my Kenyan sisters who one moment are moaning and groaning and weeping and wailing. And then the next moment they're moving their hips and they're dancing and they're shaking. And I'm like, I I know my tribe. I know where I belong now. Well, and what an image of both and, like being both able to from that
0: moaning and groaning that we hear about in Romans eight to like that hope and joy in the next breath. Right. Oh, and like, yeah. we can feel that whole spectrum and our bodies need to be able to feel that embody that and release that <laughs> tension that we hold in so tightly. So I love how the Lord sounds like he's whispering to you. Oh, how just- do I integrate these different parts of my life?
1: I just love how you put revision, restory, resound. I, I just thought it was so beautiful. And so when you get Meredith's book and at the end, um, because also let's just talk for a second. I don't want to get away from narrative therapy just yet, but the way that you wove that into the book, I think is magical as well, very profound. And you just put a few questions here and there. You don't wait till the end. Right. And so it really is like guided journaling. So let's say that we have a listener who has no idea mm-hmm. what guided journaling is. Would you just help us, I know, like tie that with narrative therapy and with restoring?
0: Sure. Oh, I love these questions. Okay, so, <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, journaling's not an original idea. Like we all know that like getting everything in our head and our heart out onto a page is very helpful and therapeutic. I mean, that's just, you know, we know that. Do we know how to do it? Are we scared to actually start writing? Of course, because for me, I never know what's going to come out. And so one book that's been really helpful to me is Julia Cameron's um, (sighs) The Artist's Way. And so she talks about this concept of morning pages, which it could be morning or evening. She Mm -hmm. talks about how that helps clear the cobwebs. Mm -hmm. You basically just sit down with two to three pages. Um, It can be one page. So like no pressure. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to read it. You're not going to share it. It's literally just an unload of everything that you're feeling in the moment. And as I've gone back and read those over the years, I'll go through time periods where I'm writing like just furiously. And then I'll go through like six to eight months where I don't touch them. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I'll go back and read a little bit and I can see these patterns sort of like Mm -hmm. popping Mm -hmm. off of the page. Um, I'll kind of underline and say, oh, here's that again. Oh, it's playing out in my marriage this way or it's playing out with my parenting or my friendships. Um, And you start to see these dots sort of connecting. And for me, I've needed to go into therapy to kind of (laughs) really, or with my spiritual director and just say, I'm seeing some stuff. I can't piece it all together. Can you come alongside me and help me sort of? you know, get some more insight into this. And with the guidance of the Holy spirit, both in my individual work and then with usually a narrative therapist, mm-hmm. I'm able to really see the context of like my full life story. And it's, I kind of actually want
1: to show you. Well, oh, please do. And this will be on YouTube for you guys who are just hearing this right now, but you'll also see it on YouTube. So
0: I'll describe it. And so there's this artist in Charlotte. And oh, I think um, I might cry. <laughs> she is her, her, website and Instagram is called Stone and Strap. So I highly recommend you guys checking this out. And I really need to share this story with her. So I'll probably this episode, but for my Allender, I attended the Allender Center. Yes. Please uh, tell community. us
1: about Dan Allender Center.
0: Yes. Well, it's, it's this tra- narrative trauma care program. It's a certificate. Anybody can do it. You don't have to be a therapist. He says that if mm. barbers and bartenders would please come and do the certification, because they're the ones who sit and hear stories, all day long. I'm like hair
1: cutters and stylist.
0: Yes. And so anybody can do it. If this like, you know, pulls at your heart, but I just finished the year and I just, I'm thinking about doing next year. And so we had this artifact we were just to make for the end of the thing. That was like a culmination of everything. The Lord's been stirring in us all year. And for me, I was really inspired by this artist with stone and strap. She makes these beautiful leather Layers and so it, it does not hold a candle to her art, but um,
1: oh, you made one, I did this one.
0: narrative, and it smells really good. I love horses, so it smells like a saddle, and it's just gorgeous. And she makes these huge, massive ones. This one's actually really small, it's on my wall. But the reason I bring it up is I did counseling work, narrative work in college, and I thought, oh, you know, I, I pulled back some layers and I did a lot of work there. And then early on in marriage and then having babies. Oh, and then that overwhelm. And now here I am like late thirties and I'm going
1: to put it back up here. Beautiful. Um, mm, I can't I'm wait for you guys life. to see that.
0: <laughs> yes. It's um, a lot of soothing, earthy tones. and something So,
1: so calming I, and so telling. So tell us a lot of movement, lot of movement in, in, in those layers.
0: layers. But here's the thing, like our whole life on this earth, I think we're going to be pulling back and lifting these layers. So it's not like we attain, we, we get to this place where we're, we're just good here on earth. Mm-hmm. Right. I am coming to learn that I have a lot of broken and dark spaces that I still need to go into mm-hmm. with people that are safe and kind spaces, um, to go with me there. And so, yeah, I think, I hope yeah. that gives some sort of visual representation of how yeah. narrative therapy works. Um, it's a process. It's a lifelong process. Yes. And yet we get to see lots of movement and lots of growth as we really hone in and focus mm-hmm. on that story work as the Allender Center would call it.
1: Yeah. And i that takes me back to an earlier thought that I had with you on page 26, mm-hmm. you write by taking the time because, you know, as I always say, and we're counselors, we're therapists. So it does take time and energy and space So it is hard work. That is what I believe COVID has offered us. It has invited many of the men and women that God has drawn to me this year, particularly have been the ones that have said, okay, we are now, we can't get away from it. Yes. And we want to get away from it, but we don't want to get away from it. So, this is where we're going to get into later in a few, you know, in want and in plenty. But they've been willing to take the time, as you write on page 26 in your book, in want plus, I love the plus sign, (laughs) and plenty, to remember as both happy and hard things come to mind. By taking the time to remember as both happy and hard things come to mind, we start to uncover the parts of ourselves that have been buried inside of us. You continue, we begin to connect the dots and discover why we feel and act the way we do now because of what happened years ago. Digging up the past, and I love the word unearthing, which you use in a minute, I'm hopping ahead. Digging up the past, unearthing the past can be a brutal process, and it is that many of us are just not eager to engage in, but it is worth it. Okay. In my book, Stronger Every Day, I just talk about the pain comes in connecting what I've seen from the head to the heart, that long journey in between these two brains. Basically, we have three, right? We have a brain, we have a heart brain, we have a gut brain. So you say, and then on page 27, you add, I pray that through looking back, this would be the restoring, right? The revisioning. We have to, I would say, we have to bring our past into the present to make meaning and sense of it. Yeah. We're just saying it in different ways. It means the same thing. You will be able to unearth. This is it. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Unearth the provision you might not naturally see. Oh my gosh, I am really trying to contain my Enneagram 2 passion, my Tigger self. <laughs> I love this so much. When I read it, I was just like, oh. so Meredith, sweet Meredith, guide us to remember as both happy and hard things come to mind and that in doing this, we can unearth the provision you might not naturally see. Why? What do you mean there? Help us unpack that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's so much and so good, and I just can't even handle it.
0: Yes, oh, I wanted unearthing somewhere on the cover of my book and the subtitle. I so maybe know. you have to use that in the future project. But
1: I think I I say yes.
0: <laughs> we'll talk to Revel about that. If we can unearth, which you know, that digging up, finding what is buried, if we can do that, and it takes a lot of bravery and courage,
1: um, and our
0: own strength by any means, we can actually start to trace God's hand. That's kind of the way I, I say it yeah. in the book. We get to see, looking back, you know, I think about Ebenezer's, which are these piles of rocks that people would put together in, in scripture and in their culture back
1: then. Which we now, you know, a lot of pilgrims now call that cairns, right? K-A-I or C-A-I-R-N-S, cairns, or yeah, yeah, go ahead, sorry.
0: Well, no, I love that. And so that helps us remember, like, we can't remember, you know, why this particular thing happened, but we see that visual image and we can say, oh, wait, I remember all this hard stuff was happening. And yet this is what God provided. And sometimes we need other people to help us do that. You know, a lot of times I'll remember a story a certain way. And my husband will kind of say, I actually think it was a little different. Like, let me, let me tell you actually how I remember it. And then I'm, you know, yes, you're right. There was, there was actually good there. There was good that came from that. And so as we look back at our stories, there's a way to say, okay, well, if he was doing it back then, he's got to be doing it now. And he, he's actually going to do it in, in the future. And yes. he's doing it in the people around me, their lives as well. And, to go back to that Dan Allender quote, you know, at the end, he says, it's time to read your own life because your story is one that could set us all ablaze, which I get that image of like, like a, just a fire, the burning bush, a fire, like yes. you're in the fall. Torch. And this is a little bit of a different path. But when we talked about the Enneagram earlier, mm-hmm. like we all have a different lens and different personality in this we world, right? And we all have a story. And every single story can set us ablaze. So you're, you're two, I'm I'm a four, we operate differently in the world, but together we can be like this force, right? Yes. And our stories can set, set other people ablaze because we Mm -hmm. can say, Hey, this happened in my life. This really hard thing happened in my life. And yet this is where God met me there Mm -hmm. in my mess. This is how he provided for me. This is how he's providing for me right now during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. During, um, you know, hard things with my, my family, with finances, the state of my soul, feeling anxious in this unknown world that we live in, mm-hmm. physical diagnoses, right? I mean, addiction, mm-hmm. all things. He's actually meeting us
1: right here. Yes, because yeah. in your children's lives, mm-hmm. your elementary-aged mm-hmm. children's lives, yeah. when you were sharing before about unearthing when I think of unearthing something, it just is so grounding to also dig and put your hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I spent a whole Saturday and half a Sunday with my husband. I didn't do all of it. But, you know. <laughs> Get the weeds. Oh, all the weeds, all the roots, all the roots, as my Midwestern son would say. But now he doesn't say roots from the East Coast. He says roots. Yes. Yeah. That's never coming up. She does that too. <laughs> Yeah, you're never coming home. You're now just saying ruts. But when you get your fingers in the earth, it's grounding. So that's, you know, it it was giving me that picture too of to alleviate some of the fear when you're going back into your past and you're unearthing, you know, it is in the unearthing that you find these relics. And when you do that, you find these fossils that give you more insight Oh, ahas. Right. And so your elementary age children, my adult children who are going to just now be birthing my grandchildren, this is going to be, you know, 50 years down the road. Like we're talking about the 1918 pandemic, right? Exactly. So it's going, it's informing their story. It's informing their life story. And it's, it's very critical how you handle that. And how everyone handles that, because this is now going to be a part of their story. And one of my hopes is that perhaps a lot of families that hadn't, mm-hmm. hadn't taken the time to unearth these things that they are continually living in stuckness with, Yes, that their children go, I'm so proud of my parents. Yes. I'm so proud of my parents that mm. when I was 12 or when I was eight, mm. it was hard. I remember it, but I remember seeing my mom and dad working through it. And now we're so much healthier.
0: Mm.
1: Our soil is so much healthier and we're all so much healthier. So that that's been a huge prayer of mine. So, so good.
0: <laughs> and now just real quickly, just to go yeah. with that garden metaphor, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit <laughs> so- a metaphor. That hard work that that the parents are doing, you know, and I would say I'm I'm in that boat. Thankfully,
1: we but are. My husband it, and I are too. At 37 years of marriage with three adult children, and they're you know, now they're all in their 30s. Yes. This has been such an unearthing in our marriage.
0: Yes. So and it's, it's been me, different ages, different decades, different times we've been married. Right? Like, and it's worth it. Be it's worth it to to do the unearthing. And I'm thinking about my garden right now. some summer bulbs because I like upgraded my garden this year with some daily stuff. So we'll see if it works, but you know, there's dust that comes up. It's gritty. It gets under your fingernails, disruptive. And yet we're pulling out those weeds. Like we're talking about in our story with kindness, you know, Mm -hmm. saying, okay, we know they've gotten there and they've, they've served their purpose and their role. And now it's going to be time to do some ripping out and then some beautiful things are mm. going to be growing, growing and growing out of that tilled soil, and the blooms mm. are going to come, and they're going to come in their own time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe it'll be a month from now, maybe it'll be lots of years from now, depending on the plant. But it's, it is all going to be worth it. To go back to what we were talking about before, um, mm-hmm. it's not an easy process, though. It
1: takes it's exhausting exhausting. I pulled one root out that I know is six feet long. (laughs) It took me so long. I had to get up, brace myself. You know, my husband's like, that's going to knock you off your feet. And it did, you know, and I was like, holy moly, that's intense. But I actually feel like we had pulled one of those six feet of roots that had been rooting in our marriage for years. We actually did that through this year and it's, it's well. exhausting, but the reward is, it really is an eternal un, unspeakable reward to have that kind of freedom and peace
0: yeah. in
1: your life. So the guide to journaling also, I was just going to, I don't, I, I wanted to encourage everyone that these are some of the questions that Meredith poses that I love so much. How were you raised? This is in the very, very beginning. So she offers you, I love it because it's, it is like a counselor in the pocket. You know, um, you are guiding and helping people connect the dots through your work. What did your daily family dynamics look like in your family of origin or in your culture uh, with that you were raised in? What did you love? This is what I loved. You were mingling even in your questions. You're mingling in the sad or the pain with the peace and the happy. Yes. So I want to come back to that, but I want to read these questions. What memories do you have from grade school? What were your greatest disappointments in middle and high school? So here you are mingling what has broken your heart, but what makes you come alive currently? (laughs) This is what I feel has been missing in our modern therapy work Mm. within the Christian world frame. Now, this is just my humble opinion. Yeah. But I have had to personally go outside, like into mindfulness-based stress reduction, or um, Yin yoga, other practices that some might consider are outside the realm of our traditional Christian practices. Um, I would disagree, but here I am. <laughs> but I, I, you were the first read, the first read that I dug in from the Christian frame that actually framed it so well Mm -hmm. that we do have to learn to sit like in mindfulness-based stress reduction, you sit with the unpleasant and you sit with the pleasant and you learn to sit with them both. Yes. So you put it in this verbiage or you can share like peace and pain. So if you would just give us a little, I know we're getting to the close, a little understanding because I do think this is where many particularly those of us of the Judeo-Christian faith get stuck yeah. or we bypass. Yes. I don't want to deal with that psychological pain. Right. So I'm just gonna say Jesus, I'm gonna let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to us in
0: there. Or <laughs> slap a Bible verse on it. It's what I've been saying Spot lately. The
1: Bible verse on it.
0: Yeah. Like we, we need to be rooted in scripture, as am I, and how you know we need to kind of sometimes lean towards Psalms and Lamentations. Mm-hmm. And recognize that, that that crying out has just as much of a space as, for I know the plans I have for you, declares mm-hmm. the Lord, my, you know, verse of graduation from high school to <laughs> my 11, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And so we can sometimes, when people are in that place of pain, just sort of say... Jeremiah 29, 11, you've got this. That's what I mean by the slapping the Bible verse on yep. versus, oh yeah, what about David when he was like crying out on his knees and like actually almost hurting himself at different points yeah. in the Bible, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And so my, my response to your thought there is just, can we hold the tension?
1: Oh, say that again.
0: Can we allow ourselves to hold the tension of mm-hmm. the both and of, of feeling God's presence both in want and in plenty? right? Because yes. um, I, can, I can see God in the darkest of places um, and feel him more intently sometimes in those places, even when everything's going just perfect in my life. Now, there's times where I don't feel him and that's that dark night of the soul, or mm-hmm. we need, again, other people to remind us. But if we can hold that tension, it's really humbling to mm-hmm. say, I'm not in control, which is one of my big points in here. <laughs> and I, I do know someone who is, I don't understand. I ask that question. What is it? What's going on? Why this? And yet, I can find rest in that surrender.
1: Um, mm. Yeah, there's tension. Is there a, a a small peak of a story into your you know your life that you could share? How that worked out for you? Like how you played that out, nuts and bolts wise. That might offer some skin, I guess, for someone yeah. and I didn't have you do not have to answer this, but no, I love
0: I love that. I'm trying to think which one I want to choose. <laughs> I think big picture, I used to think I had to smile all the time for other people to want Perfect. to have anything to do with Jesus. I just thought, why would anybody want to be a Christian if they didn't just think it was all happy all the time? Wow.
1: <laughs> and that was
0: really exhausting for me. And so that's that's just kind of a quick answer probably Another one more specific is, um, the person that I dedicated the book to work to was my mentor, Bobby Campbell. And mm-hmm. this will be a good transition maybe into the ebb and flow in a yes. second, but, um, Perfect. she passed away. from an aneurysm in the middle oh. of the book <gasps> and she had said to me, I have an email from her that said, can I be on your launch team? Can I be your number one cheerleader? Like she just oh, believed in me. She Meredith. helped me for me. I know. And she, was just an incredible woman and so in the very front I just say you know this book is a memory of my beloved mentor Bobby acre Campbell from June to May um, 1946 2018 and and this is for you guys who are listening for anyone else who like Moses at times may feel like an alien in a foreign land. Mm. Mm -hmm. So Bobby and I talked about that a lot, which goes into that C.S. Lewis quote I have at the very beginning, which is if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. (sighs) You've got C.S. Lewis, who is, you know, so loved by many. His books are just incredible, standing the test of time. And he's saying I desire more here mm-hmm. on earth. And so I think having to walk through that and her not getting to, to ever see this, mm-hmm. not getting to just have coffee with her. Like I did like oh, I really for so many years.
1: What a loss. I'm um, so sorry.
0: Thank you. And yet mm-hmm. the way that her story and her impact on me has mm-hmm. continued, like she's left this she's living
1: of- on in you. She, you are. Yes. You're her legacy.
0: Yes. Her and story. so many others, not just me. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm sure. Right. But I think that's that holding up the tension. Like I can say I miss Bobby and yet I'm so grateful for the times we had together and the impact she's had on me and so many others across Mm -hmm. the world really. Mm -hmm. Um, It's both and.
1: It's both and learning to sit with pain and you write so beautifully. So please, this is a book I'm going to keep near to me. It's right on time in my life for sure. I have very much felt like an alien in a foreign land Trying to figure some very significant things out in my own uh, restorying. Yes, and so it's been right on time. I'm so grateful that you you got it on paper because that's a feat to do that, especially at your it's in your stage.
0: It is a battle. Mm-hmm.
1: The battle, so such a battle. Oh, so I would love. I never want to end, but we must have an end. <laughs> I would love you to end with your reading of this beautiful poem that you wrote, Life in the Ebb and Flow. Because mm, a lot of the work that I do, Meredith, in this healing modality that works with memory reconsolidation. It's based a lot on EMDR, which I do I have talked about here, but I use the strategically formulated therapeutic grade essential oils. It's called Certified Aroma Freedom. Therapy and it goes right into the limbic and it just heals trauma like nothing I've ever seen. It's, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. And so I would love you to read this and I'm going to, if, if you give me this permission to create it into a meditative exercise that people can use their oils and read or listen actually, or read whichever they prefer. So Mm -hmm. I would love to close with that. You ready? Go for it. Yes, ma'am. Okay.
0: And one disclaimer, this actually has a stanza that goes in between in between each of these, because um, oh. I, I wrote this for Bobby's funeral, Like those were so personal. I didn't want to yes. hear directly about her. So I just kind of put the parts that we could all relate mm-hmm. and resonate with.
1: Oh, how stunning. I had no idea that I probably missed that part if you had that in there, that you read this at her funeral. Wow. Yeah. You wrote this for her.
0: I did. I did. Mm-hmm. So thanks for letting me share it with all of you today. Life in the ebb and flow. In this life, we await what is to come. We ache, we laugh, we love, and we live, yearning for the already not yet and glimpsing of the goodness right in our midst. We flail when storms brew, doubting, grasping for a hope that will satisfy. The clouds darken, the rain rhythms, then soaks, and all we want is relief. We birth, breathe, celebrate, grieve, create, and yet spend our lives longing for more. If we could just hold in our hand what we think we need, we say, then maybe peace. Moment by moment, we find ourselves feasting or falling, reveling or revealing. We try to hold it all together, forgetting that we have a God who holds us in his hand. We try to cling to what we know is true, seeking refuge as the cruel waves crash Getting lost in the game of performance and appearance, we hide our deep and dark. In our struggle, we lose sight of the glory. In our story, we must hunt for his hand. We look in every place here on this broken earth when contentment is found beyond. So we ponder, how can we let the current carry us even when life unfolds unexpectedly? when we unravel in our raw reflections of a God who claims he is close by, even in this. We are makers, doctors, neighbors, lovers, mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters, living our everyday in the messy and mundane, chaotic and clumsy controlled corners. Full life, the kind we all keep trying to unearth, is found right here in the ebb and flow.
1: Oh, heart lifters. Meredith writes, I'm just going to read it one last time. We look in every place here on this broken earth when contentment is found beyond, and that's a capital B. So it is our prayer today that you find your contentment, that you find this tension between being in want and being in plenty. It's not and or or here. It's both and. And Meredith, any final thoughts to leave us with today? And would you please tell everyone where they can find you and your beautiful resources?
0: Sure. Thank you, Janelle. It's been such a gift to be here. I think I would just say if you're in a place where you feel like you're stuck or paralyzed in your story, maybe reach out and get some extra support from someone, whether that's a therapist, spiritual director, pastor, maybe even just a close friend, somebody that you feel safe with. None of us were meant to struggle alone and in secret. And that's true for me. That's true for Janelle. It's true for anybody that you think has it all together who, who doesn't. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's true for you too. And yeah, people can find me on my website, meredithmcdaniel.com. Um, there's great resources and link to the book. And then I love to hang out on Instagram. So that's just meredith underscore McDaniel. My counseling practice has got some good stuff on Instagram too, milk and honey counseling. So you can find me pretty easy.
1: You sure can. And I love your Instagram so much. So take a deep breath, re-listen to this beautiful life in the ebb and flow and always remember that you, my dear heartlifters, are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear, not one thing to fear and you can smile at your future. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at janellereardon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.